Spiritual gifts are a source of constant friction within different Christian denominational factions. Some practice a few of them, some all of them, and some none of them. How do they work? How do we get them? Once we have a gift, can it be taken away from us? These are the questions we will look at in today's Differing Things podcast. Now for our host, Bill Petrie. After water baptism, there is no subject that has caused as much debate and division in the church today as the subject of spiritual and or miraculous gifts. I myself have often wrestled with this subject, which of the gifts of the Spirit are actively given by God or have passed away? How are they given? To whom are they given? And when? How do they function? As we observe the behavior of people who are doing bizarre things in the name of spiritual gifts, confusion has been created. Many people who claim to have some spiritual gift are actually just bringing reproach to the name of Christ by the use of whatever it is that they claim to have. There must be a final expert that we can go to that will have our answers in this time of confusion, opinions, and traditions of men. In this present dispensation of the grace of God, that spokesman with the authority and power of God would be Paul, the apostle of and to the Gentiles. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 11, verse 13, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify mine office. We should then listen closely to the words he wrote down, whereby we can understand the truth about these gifts. A typical church doctrinal statement can read something like this, and this was actually the doctrinal statement of a church I used to pastor. The gifts necessary for the ministry of the body of Christ are those enumerated in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. Of these, Only the gifts of evangelists, pastors, and teachers are in operation today. All the sign gifts of the Acts period, such as tongues, prophecy, and healing, being temporary in character, have ceased. When a person reads or hears that doctrinal position on gifts, it seems that there are two unrelated issues being tied together. The first is the sign gifts of the X period, and the second being the offices of responsibility within the body of Christ. So I'm going to ask you, the listener, to endure with me today through these issues as I attempt to give them expanded coverage within the confines of this podcast. 
In Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, the Apostle Paul expresses his heart's desire to see the believers at Rome. He writes, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end. You may be established, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. These verses express to us why Paul desired to see the saints at Rome. He wanted to impart to them some spiritual gift. We must ask ourselves, what sort of gift is it that he wants to impart to them? It will be very important for us to remember that Paul wrote the epistle to the Romans during his Acts ministry. It was written during the diminishing of Israel. It was written during a time when the word of God had not yet been completely given. That is, that all 66 books of the Bible had not yet been written. The context of these two verses tells us that the gift Paul wanted to give would result in these Roman believers being established. It would also result in Paul being comforted together with them. The means of that comfort was going to be the mutual faith, both of Paul and these dear saints. We can therefore sum up this spiritual gift he wanted to impart as follows. First, it would establish the saints. Second, it would comfort Paul and the Roman saints together. Third, it would result in Paul and the believers in Rome resting in the mutual faith. And fourth, it would be given to the whole assembly at Rome without partiality. So the question we must ask is what gift did Paul want to impart? Many answers have been offered by many different scholars to this question. But let us be workmen of the word, rightly dividing the scriptures. Pentecostalism and the charismatic movement answer that it was Paul's desire that the saints at Rome received one of the many diversities of gifts that Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. The diversities of gifts given by the one spirit of 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through chapter 14 were still in effect during this time period when Romans was written. We need to notice what Paul records for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, he writes, But all these work that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. These gifts are not given to the assembly at large, but to individuals by the spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. It is evident from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 28 through 30, that God did set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, but not all in the church are these. It is true 
that these spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14 were given for the purpose of edifying the whole assembly, they were nonetheless given to individual members in particular, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 27. These particular spiritual gifts were given directly by the Spirit and not imparted by other agencies of believers. In other words, Paul did not impart these spiritual gifts. The gift of tongues that Paul identifies in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14 was given for a sign. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22 records, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serves not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. This is where we get the term sign gift. Within the body of Christ, this gift, witnessed of God, changing dispensations from that of law and the postponing of the kingdom for a season to that of grace. The dispensation or administration of the grace of God became God's purpose and standard operating procedure today, according to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. This witness was to the nation of Israel, the unbeliever, as Paul writes this epistle. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, for the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. The Spirit gave the gift of tongues to particular individuals in the one body for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. An in-depth reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 in particular will reveal to the open-minded reader that the gift of tongues was not devised to establish or edify, but to serve as evidence that God's judgment or wrath had fallen upon unbelieving Israel to the uttermost. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16 states, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. The sign gift of tongues, which was given by the Holy Spirit to the saints of the one body, was a sign that judgment had fallen on Israel. It was a sign to the unbelieving nation that God had taken her signs away from her and given them to the Gentiles apart from Israel, apart from her covenants of promise. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8 states, Charity or love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. 
In this passage, we see the sign gift of tongues listed with two other gifts, the gift of prophecy and the gift of knowledge. It is not my intent to talk about these other gifts, but verses 8 through 10 also reveal that Paul the Apostle was aware that these spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit were to fail, cease, and vanish. They were to be done away because they were only in part and not the full, complete, perfect spiritual gift. An honest and careful reading of these verses, in particular verse 10, will persuade anyone who believes the Word of God that when the complete, full, perfect knowledge of God's revelation was come, in other words, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the secret, Romans 16.25, Ephesians 1.9, Ephesians 3, verses 3 and 4, Ephesians 4, verse 13, Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11, and I could go on, the same gifts were to fail, cease, and vanish. 1 Corinthians 13.10 states, But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. God himself would do the sign gifts away when the full revelation of the secret was given to the Apostle Paul. We see this in Paul's prison epistles. It is Paul who wrote of his knowledge of this secret. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 state, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation or administration of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the secret, as I wrote afore in few words whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the secret of Christ. Paul's comprehension that the perfect or full complete would come became a reality during his two-year imprisonment. During this time, he pens Ephesians, Colossians, and Philippians which contains the full, complete, perfect knowledge of Jesus Christ according to this secret. We also need to note that this is after the Acts period, being penned after Acts chapter 28. These spiritual gifts of 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14 were already on their way out. It would soon pass from the body of Christ when Paul penned Corinthians. Paul's desire to impart to the saints at Rome some spiritual gift to the end that they may be established would not include these miraculous spirit-given sign gifts. One cannot be established in that which is ephemeral and which is scheduled by God to be done away when the perfect is come. We must now expand our discussion about Romans chapter 1, verses 11 through 12, by now listing the four categories of gifts 
that one finds in the epistles which Paul was the human author. First, we have the ministry and service gifts. This group of gifts are given to us in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. They include prophecy, ministry, ruling, teaching, and exhortation, giving, and showing mercy. Then we have the sign gifts, which are given to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. These include the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the working of miracles, discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, faith, the gifts of healing, and prophecy. Next comes the ministry gifts given to us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And last are the abiding gifts of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. These are faith, hope, and charity or love, which is the greatest of the whole group. So far, we have looked at the charismatic contention that Paul desired to impart one or more of the sign gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12. We can make the following conclusions based off of what we have looked at and discussed. First, the gifts of 1 Corinthians 12 were imparted to individuals in particular for the edifying of the whole assembly. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 states this. In Romans 1, 11, the gift would be given to the entire assembly. 2. In Romans 1, 11, the gift would be imparted by the Apostle Paul. While the gifts of 1 Corinthians were directly imparted by the Holy Spirit. 3. The sign gifts of Corinthians were given for the purpose of providing a sign to the unbelievers. The unbelievers in the context of 1 Corinthians 14 are the unbelieving members of the nation of Israel. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not, and for the Jews require a sign. Fourth, the revelation of the mystery was given by Jesus Christ through the Apostle Paul, through a series of visions and revelations. We call this progressive revelation. Until it was all given, in other words, until it was perfect, complete, and fully made known to Paul the Apostle to the body of Christ, Paul spoke of knowledge and prophecy being in part, because the full revelation of the secret was only in part. It was not fully given. I want to state here that Paul associates the supernatural gifts of tongues, knowledge, and prophecy with the partial in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. 
However, Paul clearly tells us that knowledge as a miraculous gift would vanish, that prophecy as a miraculous gift would fail, and that tongues as a miraculous gift would cease. This happens when that which is perfect or complete is come. Complete knowledge and complete prophecy did come with the complete revelation of the secret. What God had given Paul to do was simple. He was to fulfill, in the sense of being finished or complete, the word of God, according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. Paul was to complete the word of God with the full knowledge of the secret, which Christ disclosed to and through him, and of which Paul wrote down. Paul's sole aim in life was to do this work. In the last words that Paul pens, just before his death, he writes, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. At the point Paul finished this last epistle written by him, the revelation of the secret was complete, and that which is perfect had finally come. The partial now passed away. These sign gifts, then, were momentary. And on the way out, when Paul wrote his epistle to the Romans, we can conclude that these gifts were not on the list of possibilities for the gift that would establish the believers, and thus not what Paul had in mind when he desired to impart some spiritual gifts to the end you may be established. But what about the ministry gifts? In Ephesians 4.11, Paul writes, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. We must now turn our attention to the gifts listed in this text. All five of these gifts were all together in effect at the time that Paul wrote to the Roman believers. These ministry gifts were given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Hence, only perfected saints can do the work of the ministry and correctly affect within the body of Christ godly edifying. It is clear that these gifts were imparted by the laying on of hands by an apostle. Paul had given such a gift to Timothy, as he said, by the putting out of my hands in 2 Timothy 1.6. It is also very clear that the elders did with prophecy and also with agreement the conferring of these gifts. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 states, Neglect not the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. If Timothy had only one gift, it was the gift of apostle. We can see this by comparing 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, verse 6, and 9, with 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 4 through 6. If Timothy and the other body of Christ apostles 
had apostleships in a subordinate sense. They were co-laboring in conjunction with Paul, who was uniquely the one apostle of and to the Gentiles with the visions and revelations of Jesus Christ according to the secret. All others timely received Paul's knowledge of the secret by revelation of the Holy Spirit in conjunction with Paul's writings, according to Ephesians 3, verses 3 through 5. In order to impart these ministry gifts, a series of steps were followed. First, the Holy Spirit testified through the New Testament prophets And I want you to take note that Acts 13.1 indicates that Paul was a perfect, that Paul was a prophet himself who was to receive a particular ministry. Two, the elders gave their approval with the laying on of hands. Three, the gift was given by the laying on of hands of an apostle. Four, the Holy Spirit then worked through these gifted men to accomplish the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, according to Ephesians 4.12. When we read 1 Corinthians 12, verses 28 through 31, and Ephesians 4.11, it is clear that God set some and gave some of these gifts. However, Paul's desire or purpose of writing to Rome in Romans 1.11 apply to all the saints in Rome. Paul wanted to impart some spiritual gift to all of them, not some of them. One or another of the ministry gifts would not be the gift Paul was wanting to impart to them because the whole assembly did not receive each one of these gifts. However, let us give some careful consideration to the passage in Ephesians 4. In a lot of English Bibles, in verse 11, it uses the English verb gave which is in the past tense, the Greek aorist. It is not the present tense English giving, as if it were action that is going on now. In the Greek, it is not the perfect tense, as action that took place in the past with continuing results. It simply means that God at some point in the past, from when Paul wrote Ephesians, gave the gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This verse tells us how long he gave the ministry gifts. In other words, what their duration is. They were given till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, in other words, complete man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. At this point, 
we need to ask ourselves, what is the unity of the faith? The unity of the faith spoken of here is the seven unities listed just a few verses earlier in Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6. The significance of coming to the unity of the faith is clearly understood by comparing Paul's actions in baptizing several believers in water during his pre-prison epistles, and at the same time preaching another baptism, the baptizing work of the Holy Spirit into one body. At the point in time when the full revelation was given on the subject, Paul stated, there is one baptism that obviously being the baptizing work of the Holy Spirit, which places and unites the believer to our Savior throughout the eons. Things were changing and he had changed. And I think it's important for us to keep that in mind. During the Acts period, Paul pens the following. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. Members of the body of Christ only saw through a glass darkly, as far as the revelation of God's program for today was concerned. They were seeing the overall program of God as if it were a wavy reflection, as in a poor mirror. Therefore, it was not all clear yet for the perfect, complete, full knowledge of Christ, according to the secret, was not all yet given to the Apostle Paul. Consequently, Paul's desire was that when he came to Rome, he would have a clear picture as if looking face to face of God's program for the body of Christ given to him through revelations of Jesus Christ conforming to the secret. This is the spiritual blessing he wanted to impart to the Roman believers when he came to Rome. This is what would establish all these saints. And fundamentalism, as well as grace circles, it is conventional as sound doctrine that the signed gifts of 1 Corinthians 12 have passed away. That list of gifts is consequently easy to deal with. It is also a well-established fact of Scripture that the gifts of apostles and prophets have passed away. Nevertheless, we find prophecy on every one of the rosters. Do we then have rationalization in rejecting one or more of the gifts on the list is operative today? We now come to a very urgent issue that needs to be present in every saint's thinking when he reads and studies the Word of God. This issue is the element of timing. The Word of God loses its full impact unless the believer heeds the words on the page, which reveal this component of timing. We shall now look upon the issue of timing and we shall call it progressive revelation. Early in, earlier in this study, 
I showed the fact that our Lord taught Paul a body of truth called the secret, which had never been given to angel or man before that revelation, according to Galatians 1, verses 11 and 12, and Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And that he did it not all at once, but in a series of disclosures. Acts 26.16 confirms that. In the Acts period epistles, Paul spoke of the knowledge, or Greek gnosis, of Christ that he received by personal revelation. In his post-Acts ministry, with Paul having received the full revelation of Jesus Christ according to the secret, he uses the Greek word epignosis, meaning full or complete knowledge. See Ephesians 1.17 or 4.13 for this. This is also true in the pastoral epistles. Congruent with this progression of revelation, we also see the miraculous manifestations of the Spirit giving way to the working of faith in the full knowledge of the Word of God. We cannot help but see a step-by-step ship in the Apostle Paul's thinking. We just can't help but see this. In Acts, we see Paul do some very Jewish things. He circumcised Timothy. He kept the Jewish vow. He even performed signs and special miracles and wonders among the Gentiles. In Paul's post-Acts ministry, we see he could not and would not do these things. The loss of his powerful gift of healing is picturesque of the fact that things were changing and had changed. And it's important for us to, to keep that in mind. In Romans chapter 16, verses 25 through 26, Paul states the truth that the revelation of the secret that is revealed through his writings are the scriptures of the prophets. The prophets, whose job it was to identify what was scripture and what was not, had marked his writing as scripture. Furthermore, Paul's ministry was to complete the word of God, according to Colossians 1.25, with the secret, according to Colossians 1.26. The function in the office of the body, prophets, ceased when Paul's ministry was finished, and the word of God was complete. In our Bible, all 66 books was collected, collated, and copied. That point in time was shortly after the writing of Second Timothy. While the revelation of the mystery was in development, and until it was complete, the work of the ministry had to depend upon supernatural gifts that we call ministry and service gifts. These gifts were given for the perfecting of the saints' ministry so that the saints could do the work of the ministry and also do the edifying of the body of Christ. 
hence service gifts. When the revelation of the secret was complete, it is noticeable that not only the sign gifts, but also all the other gifts mentioned concluded. The functions of the service gifts and some of the ministry gifts are still every bit as important as they were during the apostolic period. However, today, these needs are served by the working of God in vessels fit for the master's use, who are prepared unto every good work by scriptures rightly divided rather than through a special spiritual gift. While keeping, and I think it's important for us to really keep this in mind. Scrutinizing the gift of prophecy in particular is intriguing in the matter of progressive revelation. In Romans 12, 6, we find the person in the body of Christ who had this gift was to prophesy according to the proportion of faith. The believer was to prophesy according to the proportion of the secret. The terms, the faith, and the secret are synonymous in Paul's epistles and had thus far been disclosed. The body of Christ's prophets could speak no more than that which was revealed at the time when they prophesied. In the same manner, they were to speak no less than what was revealed. The ministry of the prophets was closely coupled with the revelation of the secret and with the creation of what we today call the canon of Scripture, wherein we find the one faith of the present dispensation of grace. Their role and function was to mark what was Scripture and what was not. In Acts 15, at the conference in Jerusalem, two men who were prophets were sent to witness that the decision was the authoritative voice of the council and the Holy Spirit concerning the matter at hand. Likewise, when Paul's apostolic authority was called into question, he appealed to these prophets to witness to the fact that what he wrote was indeed the commandments of the Lord. In other words, his writings are the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37 states, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Now, I want to, at this point, ask the evident question. What was the gift that Paul was hoping to impart to the Romans? Paul's statement in Romans chapter 15, 29 will give us a lot of help in understanding the answer. He writes there, and I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Paul was looking forward and anticipating the time when the partial 
the incomplete and the childish things of the Acts period would give way to the full, complete, mature, perfect things of the completed Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 state, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now pay attention, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Paul's desire was satisfied in his lifetime. He did live until the time when that which is perfect came, and that which is in part was done away. We today have the perfect gift given to us in a completed state through the pen of the Apostle Paul, the written word of God. Those supernatural manifestations of the Spirit have ceased. The Word of God can and will produce in the yielded believer that which abides, faith, hope, and charity. Because we are so gifted by God, every member of the body of Christ can stand against doctrinal and personal compromise and the traditions of men, which make void the word of God, and apostasy in these perilous times, because the Bible is the completed revelation of the will of God for us today. But of course, it needs to be rightly divided. In the dispensation of the grace of God, any spiritual need that could ever be met by means of the supernatural gifts are now met by the Holy Spirit of God working in the believer, according to Philippians 2.13, to will and to do of his good pleasure. We do not look for men with supernatural endowments to minister the word of God to the church, which is his body. Rather, we look to the complete and infallible word of God. And for elders who meet the qualifications of 1 Timothy chapter 3, to labor in the word and doctrine. God's full revealed will is to have faithful men who in spirit of meekness and humility battle to make all men see what is the fellowship of the secret, which from the beginning of the cosmos or world has been hid in God, according to Ephesians 3.9? How do we know a faithful man in the heart of all the denominational folklore and religious hype? The completed word of God tells us that a man is to take heed how he builds or labors in the ministry upon that foundation which the apostle Paul laid. A faithful man and minister will neither add or to subtract from the sound doctrinal things which Paul spoke among many witnesses, making sure he ministers the same sound doctrine as the apostle Paul. To accomplish this divine obligation, that man in ministry will have to labor 
in word and doctrine, not expecting some spiritual endowment or gift to carry him in and through ministry. It is Paul's gospel in the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the secret that establishes believers, according to Romans chapter 16, verse 25. This involves the written word of God doing the work. It is the written word of God that gives us the doctrine, the reproof, the correction, and the instruction in righteousness. The gift that includes all gifts is the complete written revelation of the word and the will of God. And I want to conclude with this thought. Those who fail to recognize the distinctiveness of the Apostle Paul and his authority to the body of Christ by the word of God are not fit to be ministering to anyone in the body. They are spiritual babies and in need of a teacher themselves. They have not proved themselves to be faithful. They need much learning. Good day, and God bless. We want to thank you for listening to this week's Differing Things podcast. If you would like to get more information about the Bible, please check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Do not forget to join us next week for a new Differing Things podcast.